and welcome. You're listening to the Breed of Stories podcast. A show that provides you with unique personal perspectives to what's going on in the world. We are your hosts at United World College in Mostar. Michelle Wang from China. And Ate Kashura from Poland. Every week, we're interviewing people from Ethiopia, Colombia, and so many more where they share their stories. Visit us on our Facebook page, Breed of Stories, and join us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you would like to listen. Turkey has been going through a number of political turmoil in the recent months and years. Being involved in the Middle East, Americas, and other regions' sphere of interest, the Turkish people have experienced numerous changes in their daily lives. Not to mention the coup attempt in 2016. Very much influenced by the Turkish government's controlled education system, today we welcome a special guest from Istanbul to give you an insight into Turkey from a personal perspective. We're very excited to be joined by an amazing guest today. So can you please tell us your name, where you're from, where you're studying at? Uh, I'm Lynn. I'm from Istanbul, Turkey, and I'm studying in UWC Mostar. Perfect. Thank yeah. you, Lynn. So now one of the most recent and probably widely known events that took place in Turkey, Istanbul actually specifically, mm-hmm. is the 2016 coup. Now being from Istanbul, were you or your family affected by it? What was it like? So I wasn't in Istanbul at the time. Um, but I was in another city, and it wasn't just located in Istanbul, although it was concentrated in Istanbul. Most cities in Turkey were affected by it. So even though I had never lived through a coup before, what happened? It wasn't the first coup in Turkish history, actually. Turkish history is littered with different coup attempts and coups um, of different natures. It can be economic or it can be an actual government takeover by the military. And after the 80s and the coup in the 80s, actually, um, there was this culture of the military being responsible for the maintenance of democracy in Turkey. So it was actually sort of incorporated into Turkish culture that if democracy was to go in the wrong direction, the military would be the force responsible um, to take over the government and to bring it back into place. So when so this was all in our subconscious. We all had this, not all of us, of course, everyone has a different interpretation of this, but we were all expecting something similar to happen. Um, and actually there were many trials in Turkey as well, where many different soldiers who were um, accused of planning a coup were jailed. So this started in 2005, for example. Wow. So this was not something completely unexpected. It was in our subconscious and it was sort of addressed by the media and definitely by the justice system. But then hearing it, I was outside and I got a text from my friend saying, oh, there's a coup now, you should go home. That was a, that was such a different experience from what I expected, actually. Mm-hmm. So all of my family, we went back home um, and we turned on the news. It's the official Turkish um, government's channel, which is called TRT. And whenever there's a coup, so everyone knows what's <laughs> going to happen. Whenever there's a coup, you turn on your TV and you wait for the official announcement of the coup. Who is doing this and why are they doing this? There's always like this announcement. It used to be on the radio and you can listen to it on YouTube. And then it, it was on the TV. So you mentioned it's kind of different from your expectations per se. Mm-hmm. So what were you kind of expecting before this all happened? Well, I was definitely, there's a, in our culture, since the establishment of Turkey, there's this huge trust in the military and a huge belief in the power of the military and pride in military. Um, and that goes back to Turk, ancient Turkic cultures as well. Um, this force, this warrior Turkish uh, persona is in our culture. 
And so what I was expecting was, of course, I did not support an undemocratic move of a government takeover, um, which completely diminishes the worth of voting and all of what the voters voted for. Um, but I was expecting a much stronger coup. Um, what happened took place in the span of two hours. Um, then they started at 10 p.m., which is prime time. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's online. Every, everyone's watching the TV. And they started by um, closing only one side of the bridge, the main bridge in Istanbul. And usually, in, if you look at Turkish coup history, it happens at 3, 4 a.m. in all cities in Turkey. And all the streets are taken over. So this was, this seemed very weird to me. Very, very mm, amateur. <laughs> if you, especially if you read Turkish revolutionary history. Um, so that was very different from what I expected. Also, I in Turkey, because there were so many bombings almost every month um, leading up to the coup for uh, one, two years, and whenever a bombing happened, um, the Wi-Fi would slow down. Um, YouTube, Facebook, you would not be able to access anything, Twitter as well. Um, and while this coup was happening, the Wi-Fi was working perfectly well. It was very fast. So it was much different from what you would expect from not and let it like even from a 1980s coup, you would expect a more professional job. But uh, especially if you're trying to do a coup in the 21st century, I mean, you would expect a much, much better job um, considering like the Internet, the existence of the Internet and media. So I assume a lot of areas of the people's life were actually affected, not only by the coup, but you mentioned the bombing. Um, how was your education with relation to that? Um, was it affected by the events in Turkey when you were back then? Um, the coup was actually sort of like a climax of everything that was happening in Turkey. Um, leading up to the coup, there were, as I said, many bombings almost every month by various terrorist groups um, in the most active parts of Turkey. So I went to school in a public school um, in the very center of Istanbul, which, which could be called the heart of Turkey. And it is called the heart of Turkey, right next to Hagia Sophia and the Blue Mosque and you know everything that everyone loves about Istanbul. And so my school was uh, in a very strategic place as well. Um, you take an entrance exam in Turkey and the best, uh, best students are sent to various high schools. So it was very important for the government to control the mindset of the students there because then they would grow up to be the leaders of Turkey, of course. Um, so leading up to all of this and the climax that was the coup, there was, for example, a bombing, a suicide bombing right in front of my school, where, which I heard and I was in a literature exam. And I had to continue doing my exam as I heard hundreds of ambulances and helicopters um, flying over my school. Um, apart from that, I, in my second year of high school, most of the teachers who had been in my school for the past maybe 20 years up to 28 years, one of my teachers was there for 28 years, um, were sent away from the school in exile because my school had this reputation of being uh, opposition-minded, being open-minded, not very conservative. Um, and almost all of them were sent away to religious, uh, religion-based schools or schools far away from their homes. Um, and were, they were replaced by teachers that frankly weren't very competent. Um, they couldn't teach very well and it was very obvious that it was not their teaching abilities that allowed for them to become teachers or administration members in such a prestigious and highly regarded school. After all of this happened, 
um, I no longer wanted to be in that school. I was very excited to go to that school for the very reason that the students were known for being very free. And suddenly in my second year, all of that was gone, with the principal being this authoritarian figure. Festivals were canceled um, on the basis that the school was too close to mosques and that the mosques would be um, alerted by our presence. So, yeah, I was very happy to come to UWC Mostar where I could again express my opinions freely and wear what I want and say what I want. Actually, just before we go to the mm-hmm. whole new experience with UWC yeah. Mostar, I'm just wondering, so you mentioned the suicide bombing that happened right in front of your school. Mm-hmm. Was it conducted by a student of your school? Did you know that person? How was it like? No, um, it was conducted by um, an ISIS-affiliated person who is not Turkish um, and it was not it wasn't yeah so it was not it had nothing to do with my school it wasn't targeting my school at all and no one from my school was involved but just because of the very central situation like central place location of my school um, we were very close to where it happened um, and the reason why it happened there was because it was a very touristic place um, and all of these bombings also Turkey had a huge income from tourism um, and all of these bombings in very touristic places to the point where there was a shooting and bombing in the Atatürk airport, which is the main international airport of Istanbul, um, completely affected our tourism sector. So I think that's what they were targeting. Yeah. So hearing all of those chaos that happened in your hometown, mm-hmm. were your parents worried at all, you know, about your education, about your school, and how did they respond in, you know, all of this chaotic situations? They definitely knew that something was wrong. Um, and all parents know this. There is a huge rush of students going out of Turkey, not just for university, but also for high school. If you talk to anyone um, who's a high achiever, who's maybe kind of an overachiever in Turkey, they'll tell you that their goal is not even to go to the best university in Turkey, but maybe they would prefer even a mediocre university, for example, in the Netherlands, to the best of the best in Turkey. So my parents, what their goal was, I believe, was to help me um, get out of Turkey for to complete my education. So that's why I went to a German school. Um, and I was uh, my education was in German um, for me to be able to go to Germany after I complete high school. How was that experience like? studying in a German high school? Um, it was very interesting because of the dichotomy and the contrast between our German teachers who were directly sent by the German government and the authoritarian, authoritarian um, school administration. So, for example, they wanted to have a, Christ- a Christmas celebration to introduce uh, German culture to the students, which is great because if you, you can only, I think you can only learn a language if you immerse yourself into its culture as well. Um, by watching shows, movies, all that stuff. And because it was um, against Islamic culture and traditions, this Christmas festival was banned. So it was a very different, interesting contrast. Yeah. So as your experience now has very much changed with the uh, UWC Mostar, and now looking back, because you're very soon graduating, but looking back at this experience, what can you say about it? Um, It was a life-changing experience and I will be eternally, it's very cliche to say, but I will be eternally grateful for the chance um, to come here. It completely changed my life. Um, I was most likely either going to go to Germany, which was a very low chance, or be stuck in Turkey. And because I want to study evolutionary biology, which is banned in high schools and universities in Turkey, 
um, there was no way for me to pursue my main interest. Um, and coming here has not only allowed me to pursue my main interest, but also to remove the censors um, in my mind and to be exposed to different opinions. Yeah, that's amazing. So we learned that the local elections of 2019 um, in Turkey actually took place just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what exactly was the election for? What were you know people's attitudes towards it? Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps you know people back home that you know of. Um, it was for it. They were the local elections, so they were just for local municipalities um, and mayors um, in all cities in Turkey. Um, it, when we were voting, it wasn't while people were voting and before people were voting, it wasn't a very um, important election. Uh, not as important, definitely, as the one in June, where that was the first election where we chose uh, the president of Turkey after the change in the um, constitution. That was a very important election. But this one, people didn't really regard it as a huge... Mm, yeah, a very important event. Um, and when the opposition party gained um, control of Istanbul, Izmir, Ankara, which are the biggest, biggest cities in Turkey. Um, after more than 20 years of rule by Erdogan's party, AKP, it suddenly became a huge source of hope for the opposition. Um, and it gained importance. Uh, it was, And then the election results were um, cancelled in Istanbul. Um, and they decided to have a re-election for the mayor of Istanbul, um, which is very significant because the position of the mayorship of Istanbul is uh, represents um, a lot of power for Turkey because Istanbul is the economic central of uh, Turkey. So if you have the mayorship of Istanbul, it means it generally there's a correlation between having the majority of Turkey, having the majority of political power of Turkey and the mayorship of Istanbul. So after the opposition party took it, I I think they um, should I continue? Okay, after the opposition party won um, the elections, they took control of the Istanbul mayorship for a period of two weeks. After that, the election results were uh, deemed inconclusive, and they uh, the official um, electoral high council of Turkey ruled to have a re-election just for the mayorship position in Istanbul. So this was not only a direct um, assault of dem- democracy, and as I say- stated before, just, just as the coup was um, attempting to do, um, this was a complete disregard for the value behind voters and their votes. Um, and so this became a cry for justice um, on the opposition's part. And not only on the opposition's part, but for, but for Erdogan supporters as well, they realized that there was something going wrong, that this was not just. Um, and it now became a sign, and leading up to the re-elections, all of, the, all of this became a sign that things are not going as well as the media, which is not very free, um, or the main party would like them to be, or represents them to be. So recognizing all of these injustices, do you still think that Turkey's future is going to be relatively positive? Um, yes, so this cry for justice um, is a huge source of hope for everyone that things will change in Turkey. The entire movement is called Everything Will Be Great. Um, and I believe that after many years, after more than 20 years, that people 
are beginning to realize that things are not as well as they are portrayed by the media. I think there is an awakening in the public um, and not only me, but a lot of people are very hopeful about what's going to happen in Turkey um, on June 23rd, which is the re-elections. Uh, so you mentioned to us that you would, you would really like to share a poem with mm-hmm. our audience. Yes, um, so my friend wrote a poem um, about what I was talking about, the awakening of the public um, and them beginning to realize what's going on. And I'll, I've cut down the poem, which you will not be happy about, but I'll <laughs> Awaken, my love, from your slumber that never was. Watch your children gather and gaze into their eyes. Bloodshot and tired, restless in a way, some blinded, whether by rage, by ignorance or trust, by chance, by deceit or by lust, blue, brown and green, red and white, but black, most of them all, Blackened by smoke, blackened by fists, blackened in the streets and behind bars, and sometimes in exile, further away than stars. Eighty-two million eyes gaze into each, gaze into all. Remember whatever clever songs clerics and despots may preach, deafeningly to our ears. These eyes see beyond our fears, and into the land under the sun, where there's only hunger, where our ankles are bound in chains, where black poison seeps through our veins and our souls are scorched for yearning for freedom. Freedom, sweeter than birdsong, lighter than spring winds, warmer than children's laughter. Freedom unchained, unbound, unbridled. Freedom not for one, not for ten, not for forty million, not even for eighty-two million, minus one. Awaken then, my love, from a slumber that never will be. Let now and forever your children be free. Thank you so much, Lynn. That was really beautiful. Thank it was you. also great to have you on the Bird of Stories podcast. It's mm-hmm. been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm very honored that you chose to talk to me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Bird of Stories podcast. Don't forget to join us next Saturday afternoon for the next episode. We'll, we'll catch, catch you there. You.